0: Welcome to this week's NK News podcast, recorded on November 2nd here in Seoul. I'm your host, Jacko's Wetsuit, and joining me in the studio for a roundtable podcast, I have NK News superstars, Chad O'Carroll, Oliver Hotham, and Da Gyum-ji. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. But before we get into the discussion, I want to talk to you all about the new NK shop. NK News annual shop is back in business for the holiday season. Chad and the team have really stepped up their game this year and have extremely limited edition retro T-shirts, 2019 calendars, postcards, and my personal favorite, the Andy Warhol-inspired North Korea canned goods posters and vintage DPRK travel posters. Listeners of this podcast, wait, listeners to this podcast, can get 10% off their entire purchase by using code NKPODCAST10, that's NKPODCAST10, all one word, at the checkout just go to nkshop.org to see what's in stock this year they'd make really great gifts for any north korea watcher and don't forget to please recommend this podcast to your friends so that our listenership will grow all right our last podcast our last round table was released on september 22nd so that was 6 weeks ago a lot has obviously happened since then and many things just in the last week. So let's start by doing a quick summary roundup of events since our last recorded discussion up till uh, last Friday, and then we'll go through the last week in a bit more detail. So, Chad, what have been the major points and
1: stories that have uh, piqued your interest in the last month? Uh, I think Pompeo's visit to Pyongyang was a big one, and the subsequent sort of tensions that seem to be appearing, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, between South Korea and the United States on the subject of sanctions. In this period, we've also seen Moon go to Europe to try and persuade countries like the United Kingdom and France on the P5 to perhaps think a little bit more flexibly about their position on sanctions reduction. Just a day or two after that, the US dispatched think it was either mr began the new special envoy yeah it was mr began the Mm. new special envoy to also visit various places in europe including paris and brussels uh we think to give an alternative perspective on that issue to some of the same groups of people that moon was trying to sort of persuade to think differently on the sanctions issue and um yeah it's 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 an issue that's been playing out and impacting inter-Korean engagement. It's been impacting North Korea's attitude towards uh, the outside world and especially its state media output where the North Koreans have, in the last few weeks, issued a a few columns in the name of uh, North Korean authors which have been quite critical of the US position on the lack of sanctions relief. And it's not just a lack of sanctions relief, but actually an ongoing sanctions maintenance program which includes new designations by Treasury and by the State Department every week or two almost at the Mm. moment. And so the North Korean perspective is how does this fit with the Singapore agreement where we decided to, uh, you know, try and build goodwill and foster trust and so on. And uh, of course, the US position is that, well, where is the progress on this denuclearization Issue And so, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. All um, right, that's
0: good. That's a few peaks there. Luckily, I've got uh, questions about most of those things you mentioned. Uh, Oliver, any things that he's missed out on that you'd
2: like to throw into the mix? I mean, there's all this inter-Korean stuff that's kind of been going down. We had high-level inter-Korean talks. We've had increasing discussion about when this Kim Jong-un trip to Seoul is going to happen. We've had we had this kind of on-again, off-again thing about the May 24 measures in South Korea that was quite a little, not necessarily a scandal, but just seemed to, the government seemed to be kind of talking at cross purposes. We had the introduction of this new inter-Korean military agreement that just kicked off um, November 1st, Mm -hmm. which is quite a substantive change, I think, on the peninsula. And yeah, all sorts of little... Bits and bobs that I'm sure we can get get into.
0: Okay, dagum did you want to add any uh, major stories in there? No. Then let's look at uh, Pompeo's fourth trip to Pyongyang. Uh, after the uh, there was one scheduled for was it October or September? It was cancelled, and then he had it uh, more recently. On this fourth trip, did he meet with Kim Jong Un
2: personally, or was he talking to underlings? So the most notable thing about the August trip was obviously it was such a disaster, and a lot of the. Um, I mean, it was that. after that that North Korea said that America was behaving like gangsters, wasn't it? It said gangster-like behavior. Yeah. And um, one of the big sticky points for the Americans was um, the Americans had previously said before that visit that Pompeo would meet with Kim Jong-un. And then they didn't meet with Kim Jong-un, which is all quite embarrassing for them. Pompeo had to do this big sort of clean up thing where he said it doesn't really matter. It was all terrible. Um, but this time was obviously um, different. It was much more pleasant. They had um closed door meeting and then the north koreans apparently off the cuff proposed that they have lunch together mm. a couple of noteworthy things at least about the one-on-one meeting was that kim young Chol was excluded from that oh. and a lot of people suggested that maybe that was because of his role in the last last time things didn't go well right he seems to have been quite ill-tempered it was mm. it was he that put out that gangster-like demands so he's in trouble and now, Just on on temper there. What's a question to all three of you? What's your assessment of uh, Pompeo's
0: temperament? Is he a guy like the impression I get from the media is he seems to keep his cool pretty well? But I don't know. I mean, is he does he have a reputation for being a hothead sometimes?
2: My impression of him is that he's very good at kind of keeping it cool. I mean, when he gets occasionally he blusters a little bit. Um, he's not, I think, the most knowledgeable, um, but he's very good, at, especially in these types of high profile meetings you know. if you watch the footage of him and Kim Jong-un it's all very it's all quite relaxed Yeah, he Pompeo, seems to have an easy manner good he has people an easy skills. manner he's always cracking slightly but dark yeah, jokes even, even think-
1: after the uh, uh, you know murder of uh, this Saudi journalist he was in uh, oh, yeah. Riyadh uh, cracking jokes he right. like smiling um, with the prince uh, seemed to be no big deal what does the South Korean media say about Pompeo Dagam?
3: I think still South Korean media is Not hostile toward Mike Pompeo, but I've heard a lot of story about Kim yong with in my meeting with sources, and most of South Korean government officials assess that it's not really easy to have discussion with Kim Yong-chol because of his characteristics and ill-tempered characteristics. So, when considering the assessment from the South Korean government, I think Pompeo is doing a good job.
0: Well, I mean, a lot of these uh, one-on-one discussions and things it it comes down to personality types, doesn't it?
2: It really does. And Kim Yo Jong attended the one-on-one meeting in Kim Jong chols place. I think what will be interesting to see about her will be whether she has this planned meeting when you know Pompeo is set to meet his North Korean counterpart next week right. in the US. I think if they send Kim Yo Jong instead of Kim Jong chol it might be a sign that they've realized that his style wow. doesn't really work um, in these types of discussions. And perhaps, you know, a big reason why Kim Young chol might be difficult to work with is that he seems to be very cautious about expressing commitment to anything mm. because he knows that he's reporting directly to the leader. Um, whereas Kim, Young, Kim Yo-jong, she might have a bit more flexibility on those types of things because she is, after all, off the PECTU bloodline herself.
0: Now, what actually was agreed at this most recent meeting between Pompeo and Kim?
3: What is notable is that Kim Jong-un all offered inter- allow international inspectors to look around the dismantled Pungari nuclear ground. This wasn't agreed in the Pyongyang declaration, so this is a new agreement made during the Pompeo's visit to Pyongyang this last month. All
0: right, well, that leads me very nicely on to my next point. So the Dongchangni missile site, the Pungari nuclear testing site, these are being dismantled and
1: there'll be some kind of inspections allowed. Who will be the inspectors? We don't know. Um, there's been no real clarity on that so far, and as one of our NK Pro writers, analysts, and Kit Panda explained earlier this week, the tongshan Re Sohei, it's also known as the Sohei rocket launch facility, engine test facility. Progress on dismantlement of that has kind of been frozen since approximately mm. August. Uh, there were some developments that were captured on satellite imagery, Uh, which did show progress, but it's all kind of been suspended since then. And you've got to bear in mind, we're nearly six months on from Singapore. And for this to be sort of dripping out so slowly is, I think, an increasing cause for concern and probably encourages hardline Skepticism in Washington D.C.
0: Okay, now you mentioned the uh, the Trump Kim summit in uh, in Singapore back in June. I mean, we're we're t- what are we now? We're the second of November, four days from the the midterm elections in Washington D.C. That's going to change the landscape possibly. Uh, in America.
2: So, yeah, where are we with regard to a second Trump Kim summit? Well, it was originally said that it was going to happen after the
1: midterms, oh, after, um, okay. which kind of hinted th- this year. I think now the line is early January. Yeah, Pompeo even said on a flight to Mexico recently mm. to Voice of America, it will be after January 1.
0: Yeah, Do you think they're needed? Like, is a second Trump Kim needed to kickstart stalled processes like we've just mentioned with the Dongchang Yi, Pungari, et cetera, et cetera?
1: You know, we we don't know whether or not Trump and Kim can talk directly by phone uh, or if they do, how often they do it, because you'd think that a phone call could push some of these things forward. But the big problem is phasing, right? That's mm. what I was talking about earlier. The North Koreans want sanctions relief first before making big steps. The Americans want full, quote, denuclearization, which I don't think anyone thinks is going to possibly be a reality before any form of sanctions relief. And so we're just stuck in this rut. It's like a a catch-22 position and neither side want to really take any sort of leap of faith by pushing things along a lot more at the moment. And so maybe the goal of the, the summit is for the two leaders to get in a room together where maybe they can be... Convinced of a logic either way to to really do something dramatic,
0: but now a little bit contrary to that narrative, it's interesting to see that Trump's comments, President Trump's comments, are still generally positive, right? Bullish on North Korea. Uh, What did he say? Was it this week? He said North Korea can be a great economic place. And he generally keeps saying these good things about North Korea, despite there being a stall or a lag in the process.
2: What do we think about that? Trump has pinned a lot of hopes on this going well. And I think Trump is so stubborn about this type of thing that if he were to all of a sudden say, you know, he knows that he could click his fingers and then we go back to fire and fury. I think he's probably being told, just keep this positive vibe going as long as possible really I mean on the second Trump Kim summit there's only so much can that can really be achieved at that type of thing as well this is the difficult thing it mm. seems to be this kind of personal relationship has just taken over compared to you know when the diplomats get together they don't they can't agree on anything but when it's the two guys in the room it's all lovey-dovey it's a bit frustrating as Chad said if there was a phone line where they could communicate regularly maybe we'd have some actual movement on things.
0: But I think we saw that a little bit I may be a historical here but I I seem to remember that uh, Gorbachev and Reagan met quite a few times back in the 1980s to, to you know to talk about missile reductions and nuclear uh, pardon me bomb uh, reductions and and that you know there were many rounds of that mm. and it was all about one issue.
2: So is
0: this all that different?
2: The USSR and the US is obviously a slightly different issue I think. I mean, I think back in the 80s we were dealing with you know, people with slightly different political considerations. It's very different temperaments, I would say. Reagan and Trump, quite different characters. And obviously, Gorby and Kim Jong-un, maybe kind of similar, similar objectives in some ways, I think.
3: The thing is, Washington and Pyongyang um, are taking top-down approach in dealing with nuclear issues. Either Kim Jong-un and Trump believe that they want to keep good vibe at the top level, even though there has been deadlock at the working level talks. So I believe that's why Trump want to compliment about Kim Jong-un, even though mm-hmm. there has been no achievement.
2: Yeah, it's a Trump, top-down approach. Isn't maybe it? if Trump went to Pyongyang, that would get things moving. It would
0: certainly get something moving. Now, what about the inter-Korean buffer zone, uh, the demining of Panmunjom, disarmament and, and uh, de-escalation along the military demarcation line? A lot has happened in the last week. Dagu, give us a bit of a wrap up.
3: So from November 1st, the uh, two Koreas agreed to cease like various military exercises targeting at each other's, near the border. For example, um the two Koreas agreed to seize all the live fire drills.
0: Okay, so there's no possibility of another yonpyong door no disaster happening again.
3: They have like kind of agreement designated areas. The Seoul and Pyongyang cannot conduct artillery drills within the five kilometer of MDL, So it doesn't, like, impact, actually impact on the current South Korean government uh, military drills.
2: It just means that there's no chance of, as you said, something like Yonpyeong-do happening yeah,
3: again. Right. Um, yeah, right, yeah.
0: But also there's, we've had the demining happening in Panmunjom and some of the border, po- the observation posts have been, uh, what, uh, they're empty now? They're well, in theory empty? now, as
2: of November 1st, you can walk around freely at the JSA. I mean, we were told by tour agencies on Monday that essentially they were being told by their North Korean partners that that was going to be th- uh, on Thursday that you could walk around um, freely in the, really? the tourists. Okay, so this is going back
0: to pre Panmunjom Axe Murder, yes. nineteen seventy six. I hope I got that year right. When people could move around freely within the JSA, not within the uh, DMZ itself,
2: but just within the joint security area, they could move around on the northern southern side.
3: in yeah, Panmunjom
2: area. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah, we heard that um, tourists were going to be able to cross from the northern side all the way and go all the way up to the. The, that tree the axe murder tree time to book another tour up there yeah. I suppose. but then it? it's on the UNC side it all seems a bit more confusing and there's a lot mm. less clarity on when exactly journalists are going to be able to go and check it out when tourists are going to be able to go as, as far as we can tell that's not actually happened yet
3: so far the three parties including Dr. Korea and UNC complete the verifications on the demining and all of the measures for demilitarizations of the JSA but after that I can see there is no progress
0: now we should point out that this is just 11 months after some trees were planted and more mines were laid to prevent further defections of North Korean soldiers to South Korea. What was it? It was no, early November, mid-November that that young
2: soldier drove a jeep. It was almost a year ago
0: now, got, I think. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Got stuck in, in a ditch, then ran the rest and, and got shot five to ten times. Uh, and there were more trees planted and more mines laid. Were there not? There were, yeah. The North so, Koreans
2: took a lot of security measures. So
0: these mines that were laid in November last year, are these some of the ones that have been removed
3: yeah.
1: in the last couple of weeks? There were only five removed, I think, on the North Korean side oh. and zero on the South Korean side. Well, it's believed to be safe enough now that people can freely cross. But, I mean, it, it wouldn't have ever been that mined in the actual... JSA part
0: it. No. Right. Although there, there, you did see, like, um, what's that That one whole golf course in the JSA and that's surrounded by wire mm. ropes with
1: with the word, you know, mines or jire on it. So um, there were some very, very close. I mean, this inter-Korean situation we have right now, this sanctions situation is posing increasing roadblocks to the more meaningful construction, mm. exchange, et cetera. And so in a way, the military aspect of the inter-Korean agreement is one of like the sort of remaining areas where there is still a kind of step-by-step implementation. And it's interesting because you'd think normally looking at South Korea, the military tend to be more conservative and it's probably the, the area you'd expect resistance the most. Uh, it it does,
0: not it? Because they always have in their white paper each year that North Korea is enemy number one, right? So if we see any South Korean top generals or top level officers uh, retiring or being
1: pushed out of the military soon, we might guess why. But if, if the military is like the only sort of real area of fundamental implementation at the moment, then there's a risk that why why would military folks want to support more momentum when there's increasing problems and friction elsewhere in inter-Korean relations because it would seem like that the sort of very fragile situation could break apart potentially
0: now i want to uh, come back to sanctions in a moment but before we do just a quick word uh tagum the inter-Korean liaison office in kaesong um what has what kind of meetings what what's been happening there so far it's been open for about a month. What have we had?
3: Yeah, so when the two Korea opened liaison office, they agreed to hold weekly meetings at the director levels, but so far we only had three meetings, mainly because North Korean director didn't show up at the mm. last minute. And the sector meeting on forestry cooperation and sports cooperation were held this month. And this is also a huge achievement because we don't have to go to Panmunjom to have a meeting. And we can just briefly meet each other in Kaesong, which is more convenient for both sides.
2: But they actually had a meeting today and agreed on some sporting issues, including a formal bid to co-host the 2032 Okay, so, they're um, finally, Olympic, f- yeah, so that's they're, actually that's moving ahead we've talked um, about it before, yeah. And doing all sorts of joint sporting events mm. and, and things like that and to cooperate in the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, which should be interesting. Just on
0: Kaesong, has there been any visit by Kaesong factory owners to their former properties before?
3: Last month, the MOU, Minister of Unification, told media that They are planning to make the visit possible within the month. So I also expect that they could finally visit KIC to see their properties. But November, nothing is happening. Mm. And all the KIC business people are concerned about delayed visit to Kaesong Industrial Complex. I think South Korean government really want them to go and see what's going on. But... I don't see any motive for the government South North Korean government to allow their inspections because it's not good for North Korean government in any way, yeah.
0: Is it just a go and see mission or is it go and think about reopening mission?
3: I'd like to say that that's the very first step to open now shutter Kaesong Industrial Complex, but South Korean government wouldn't say that. But why so allow them to Inspect the facilities, even though they don't want to open right. the KIC.
0: Yeah. So you think so until this moment, the South Korean government has been very clear: we're not
2: talking about reopening care yeah. Is
3: that correct? Yeah. Okay. Correct. Well, they
2: said in the in the Pyongyang agreement, they yes. said we will open it when the conditions allow. Conditions allow, which means sanctions, obviously. Right.
0: Um, so, so let's let now talk about it. sanctions relief for North Korea. Uh, last month, literally just after I got back from Rome, uh, Moon was was travelling around Europe. I felt like he was chasing after me, hot on my heels, meeting people. What did he actually ask for? Did he actually ask for sanctions relief right now? Or did he ask for sanctions relief when North Korea advances in denuclearization efforts?
2: He said that there should be more openness from European countries to consider supporting sanctions relief in the event that North Korea takes steps towards denuclearization. So it doesn't really sound like a sanctions relief immediately, does it? No, it's just pushing a more flexible line than the Americans have, which is, as Chad said, when denuclearization is complete. It's saying, you know, a phased approach, right? Mm -hmm. Something, you know, the North Koreans do something, we give them this. North Koreans do something, we give them this. Which is very different from the American approach, which is North Koreans give up everything and only then do we give them sanctions really.
0: So did he have reason to be disappointed by the answers he got
2: from European leaders? Well it depends who you ask. A lot of people saw Moon essentially get the cold shoulder from pretty much everyone but the Pope. I think Macron said quite clearly we're not interested. But other European countries, I mean the Scandinavians and and others were a little bit more open to that type of thing. I think the...
1: So well, Macron wasn't swayed by the BTS private concert? He
2: wasn't actually.
1: but Didn't Ramon Pacheco in our in our NK News column say that there were some subtle, some subtle agreement from the French in terms of not stating in some way that there could be consideration for sanctions relief in the event of major progress towards denuclearization or there was some, I can't remember the exact detail.
3: I don't think it's failure, but it's not also success. Um, President Moon believed that we have to provide incentive to make North Korea move forward to denuclearization. And he also strongly believed that sanction relief can be a good and decent political card to make North Korea make movement. So that's why there has been like growing decoupling between Washington and Seoul. Washington doesn't believe that sanction relief can actually make situations better. But Moon strongly believed that we have to relieve sanctions and we have to give North Korea's um. Economic cooperation as a present, so that we can achieve the goal of completing uh, achieving complete denuclearizations on the Korean Peninsula.
2: But like so much of Moonism is about dangling carrots. So all the stuff about Kessong and inter-Korean economic cooperation—it's about sending these strong hints that this is what you'll get if you if you play nice. Well, but as I pointed out before, that's kind of what Trumpism is about too, isn't it? So,
0: hey, look what you can get. You could be a, you know, remember the video. We've, Have we all forgotten the video that he showed back in June with the white horses running through the ocean? And North Korea becoming an economic powerhouse in Northeast Asia. A hub, I tell you, a hub. It's less of an all or nothing approach of the
1: Trumpism.
3: And you also likes inter-Korean cooperation, and you also believe that that's the only way that we can boost our economy, which is quite in recession nowadays.
1: Yeah, and last night I was at a business networking event, and I was talking to a CEO of an investment firm, an American one based in, in Seoul, and... They were expressing a lot of concern about the economic situation, a lot of concern that Moon Jae-in was looking like an ambassador of North Korea during this European trip. And very skeptical of the idea that there can be any short to medium term economic benefit from any of these inter-Korean plans. And that's just one person. But you see the op-eds and editorials is what I heard kind of reflected what you're Hearing or reading, rather, in a lot of Korean newspapers at the moment. So it's definitely a, a potential problem for Moon how long he can keep up this inter-Korean stuff without these economic problems really starting to grow and, and taper his wings, clip his wings.
0: Now, speaking of uh, economic uh, inter-Korean stuff, but not necessarily on the economic level, the uh, Speaker of the South Korean National Assembly and uh, President Moon ally Moon Hee-sung said that he would welcome an address to the National Assembly by Kim Jong-un if and when he visits Seoul.
3: I think that's his opinion. You know, the Democratic Party should support Moon Jae-in as a ruling party and I think they will be happy with Kim Jong-un making speech at the National Assembly. I don't think many South Korean people are ready to watch Kim Jong-un delivering speech at the National Assembly because we have a long history of division and many older generations cannot forgive North Korea, like remembering the Korean War. So I think it's really dangerous to say that we are welcoming Kim Jong-un's beta to the That's what
0: makes it so interesting to me. I mean, Moon Hee-sung, he's not a, a young man. No, he lets, I'm assuming he's around 60 years old, right? So his parents went through the war, even if he didn't directly. He's gone through the South Korean anti-communist education. He's probably served military service. He's not an inexperienced politician. So it makes it all the more surprising to me that he would come out and say, here I am. I'm the Speaker of the National Assembly. I'm happy to have Kim Jong-un come and speak to us.
2: I mean, a lot of it is what you see from South Korean politicians recently where they feel like they have to just say nice things about Kim Jong-un because they want to help the process stay smooth. You know, when we had all of these politicians... Um, Went for some anniversary last month, a lot of them were just coming back and saying, oh, Kim Jong-un's so nice, Pyongyang is so nice. I think they just feel like they have to say it because maybe they want to stay on the government's good side and maybe they think it keeps the process smooth. And that was my theory about what Mui-sung said. It just, oh, of course we'll have him speak at the National Assembly, maybe not really thinking about how that would actually work, even logistically.
0: If somehow the nation- the ruling party were actually to an ex- to extend the invitation and if Kim were to agree... Uh, you can imagine that the Liberty Korea Party and the, the would love Party of Merit Party would, would either out. they wouldn't be there, or they'd be there carrying signs or shouting during his. You know, I, I can't. It would be a circus. I don't
2: think Kim Jong Un is ready for the raucous, rough and tumble of the National Assembly. There
0: have been fistfights there,
2: and the I was, I was about say, it's been a few years, but
0: there have been fistfights. There
2: have been fistfights I think in the past. The opposition would complete, you know, now, use it completely for their own spectacle as well. It would, so- that, that's right.
3: I went to the lecture, and I can't reveal his name, but he's quite high-level official at the Blue House, and he was concerned about how the Blue House can welcome... Kim Jong-un because there has been, like, one welcome when Moon visits Pyongyang. So they're really concerned about how they can, like, make compensation, how they can treat Kim Jong-un when he visits Seoul. And he jokingly say that, oh, can we make people attend Kim Jong-un's bids? If, if he delivers bids in front of the public, can we force people to attend? Yeah, because he's worried about that not many people want to go there. What's great on I mean
1: I think it would be I think it would be busy based on what we saw in Singapore there'd be a lot of people who would just go along out of curiosity, yeah, wouldn't I'd be there not to support the guy I wouldn't be
0: waving a flag or anything uh so from one moon to another, from Moon Sang to moon jong in the uh, famous professor of Yonsei University, who I'd love to have on the podcast if you're listening, Professor Moon. Uh, he's often seen as flying test balloons for ideas that President Moon is not yet prepared to publicly commit to. Uh, professor Moon recently said that the UN needs to change its framework of looking at North Korea. He supports the idea of North Korea building a trust relationship with the US first before handing over nukes. Uh, maybe by means of a uh, well, the end of war, end of hostilities, some sort of a signing of a... You know, uh, a guarantee. So, how much can his ideas be seen to be an unofficial reflection of current
2: or future Blue House policy? Well, in a way, that is the Blue House policy, isn't it? That, that it's kind of died down a little bit. But a few weeks ago, there was a lot of talk about this end of the war declaration. I think that's what Moon chung in was talking about. Really, he just said we want to, you know, have some kind of agreement where we end the hostile relationship. I think that's kind of just the Blue House's position. It's just Moon chung in is terrible at phrasing it in a in the way that the government would like things to be phrased, but that's essentially the same argument as far as I understand it.
3: Yeah, he has huge influence under this government. I mean, I'm not sure whether I can point out, but the one who made the inter-Korean military agreement is actually a student of Moon in
0: You mean that the agreement was written by a former student of Moon in
3: The Blue House's is- One department at the Blue House actually in charge of like planning all the inter-Korean military agreements, and the professor was actually a student of Professor Moon Jong-in. I saw they have quite close connections, and the professor has been largely influenced by Moon Jong-in's philosophy and the way they his. Things. What's Professor from- Moon's
0: uh, governmental title? He's, he's got some... He's senior Advisor for Unification. No, and-
3: Special Advisor special for advisor. Unification. And- Is this a
0: role that was created specifically for him? Yeah. Okay, so no one's ever had that role before. Like
2: Steve Bannon with the Chief
0: of right.
2: Strategy. Yeah. Okay,
0: Wow. Well. Keep, keep watching that space. Uh, Stephen Began's Seoul visit. Uh, you mentioned, Chad, earlier that he was also in Europe, sort of kind of cleaning up after uh, President Moon. Um, while he was here in Seoul, did he ask President Moon to backtrack on Seoul's headlong rush to
1: reconcile with the North? Well, we know that South Korea this week, I think it was said that there are some differences between the U.S. and uh, South Korea, on well, on the railroad plans. So I think if they're saying that publicly, there's probably quite a bigger chasm privately. You know, we are yet to hear the details of the sort of inter-track discussion on that, but I don't sense that the lockstep statements we often hear are, are necessarily true right now.
0: Whom did Bigan meet while he was here? He met with quite a few people. He met with Foreign Minister Gang. He met with Im Jong-Sok, the uh, chief of staff of the Blue House.
3: And he also met... Chong who is director of presidential national security office, okay. and also his counterpart, South Korean nuclear chief envoy, Lee Do-hoon. Basically, all the high-profile officials. After... Vegan's visit to Seoul, the State Department said that both sides agreed to make working-level group to boost their um coordinations over the North Korea issues. But interesting part is that Seoul didn't make any official announcement on the establishment of working-level group. So I personally believe that Seoul is not happy with the progress.
2: So how much daylight
0: is there between D.C. and Seoul right now?
2: Mm, half the door open. I think there's always daylight, especially... Under this administration, I, do, I think it might be being slightly overstated.
0: The Liberty Korea Party wants to see Minister of Unification Jo Myung-gun resign or get fired for a number of things, including not allowing a North Korean defector turned South Korean journalist to attend uh, inter-Korean talks in Panmunjom and also for his involvement in reconnecting North-South roads and railways and opening inter-Korean liaison office without releasing spending details. Is it likely, Dagum, that anything will happen to him?
3: So I was at the press conference when Jo myung Gun explained why he had to to prohibit the de facto journalists from covering high-level inter-Korean talks. And personally, I was really um, frustrated over his response. I could understand that uh, he didn't want to win the first high-level inter-Korean talks, which was held after the fifth inter-Korean summit. And that's the sole reason that he can provide, he could provide for prohibiting or hampering media freedom.
0: If you were a minister of unification, uh, what would you have done?
3: So the thing is, Jo Myung-gyun asked... Joseon Ilbo to change de facto journalists explaining that this may hamper the progress of implementation of the Pyongyang declarations. And I think Joseon Ilbo could change the de facto journalists, but it also in violation of freedom, uh, press freedom. So eventually, in discussion with relevant ministry, of course, including the NIS, the chomyeong um finalized decision that he disallowed the de facto journalists from Joseon Ilbo uh, from covering high-level inter-Korean talks. So my question is, if he is not de facto, he wouldn't be barred from entering Panmunjom. So that's the main point why all the South Korean journalists were angry about the MOU's decisions, even though North Korea didn't make recast uh, to prohibit him from entering the like news conference or conference venue.
0: Yeah. So my question to you is, if you were Ministry of Unification, would you let him go?
3: yes because i don't want to violate or i don't want to hamper media freedom because uh, when you consider how the moon government was established it's all because of like public opinion right mm-hmm. and so they have to consider what people think about it it's important to make progress in inter korean agreement but they also have to consider what the public views on the issues.
2: Well, there was another, and also there was another incident that he's under
1: fire for that Chad has some quite strong feelings about. Yes,
0: uh, Chad, there's something about uh, Pyongyang cold noodles, the naengmyeon incident.
1: Well, our uh, friends from the Chaebol were when they were in Pyongyang, Lee uh, um, when they were in the restaurant eating the Pyongyang naengmyeon, basically said uh, to them while they were swallowing the noodles, like, you know, how can you eat this? Um, maybe you can elaborate the the exact context, Dagyam.
3: In Korean, 냉면이 넘어갑니까? It's very rigid to say that how dare you have 냉면 like, under this situation indirectly. the so, 조명균 indirectly scolds all the devils for enjoying Pyongyang noodle with President Moon. No, Lee no, right.
1: Ri, Sung-won yeah, indirectly, yeah, 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 yeah,
3: not
0: Choi. Yeah, so Lee so. Sung-won is a North Korean public official. Yes, yes. He's, he's,
2: so he's he's essentially often seen as Cho's direct counterpart because he's head of this organization called the Committee for the Peaceful, Peaceful Reunification, Reunification of, of the, the Fatherland. Father. So they often have taught... And he's become kind of notorious because he has this very... Abrasive style, which is very North Korean. When, oh, a bit like Kim Jong Chol. Yeah, he's, he has a very, but he's got a better sense of humor than Kim Jong Chol. But he has a very abrasive style, and he often, in when high-level talks happen, you often get these great quotes by him at the end, because either he rants about journalists or he makes some joke about, oh, you didn't make you didn't make yourself look like an idiot this time. And he he has this sort of style, which I think he thinks helps break the ice. So,
0: but- what was his implied criticism to the South Korean Jebo? I think for was, eating under these circumstances. What are the circumstances not, not,
1: not coming with economic plans. Oh, I see. So you, you guys know. have come here
0: empty-handed, and how dare you sit here and
1: eat down England? Is that kind of what he's saying? Yeah, and the the, the problem is, conservative media are going wild that uh, unification minister didn't like stand up and defend them. But I just think these are grown adults. You know, if they if they take it upon themselves as princelings of Chable to be insulted, will grow up. <laughs> to be honest, I, I
3: do. I agree.
1: I, yeah. Speaking personally,
0: I, I think it's always nice to see somebody in a position of power who's not used to being told no or, uh, listen, you look a bit silly or whatever, uh, to to have something painful uh, said to
1: them. You know? you know, I'm sure they can say something funny about North Korean officials in return. And, I can't and, imagine
2: the chairboard bosses have very good bants, though.
1: <laughs> and just, just on, on the point of the defective journalist, I think, yeah, the South Koreans need to really just sort themselves out yes create some friction for the north koreans tell the north koreans wake up it's the 21st century people cross the border they get south korean passports you know that i Um, I hate
0: to uh i know it's um you you could say it's a logical fallacy of the slippery slope argument but frankly once you start banning one defector from going into into korean talks there is no stopping right you 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 really can't say well you know We'll let him go next time. I mean,
2: you- and, and there's a the sense that the South Koreans didn't give it a great deal of nuanced thought. They just... I oh, mean, well, uh- the
3: <laughs> thing is, the talk was happened on the southern part of Panmunjom. So what is the issue? Yeah, what yeah, is the issue? Yeah. He didn't have to cross the border even.
1: Right. And and it reflects actually a broader problem which one of my colleagues in the diplomatic community has said of his experience talking to the Lowe's in Pyongyang who work in the diplomatic community, the NGO community, that there's a lot of... The biggest thing is self-censorship. People worry a lot about what the North Koreans may say. And so the North Koreans don't actually have to put pressure to get things that are good for their sort of ideology quite often. So, yeah, just another example of that.
0: Okay, so our last story today, uh, Reuters did a report this week on the uh, systematic sexual abuse in North Korea or allegations of systematic sexual sexual abuse in North Korea uh, from a report released by Human Rights Watch. Uh, based on interviews with more than 100 North Koreans who have left the country. Is there anything new here that we haven't
2: heard before? Reading the report, what's striking is just the purported scale of this type of this problem in North Korea. I mean...
0: Right, the quote that I've got is that sexual con- unwanted sexual contact and violence is, quote, so common that it has come to be accepted as part of ordinary life.
2: Yeah, that's that was what was most shocking about that report. Just seems to be that it become it's become part of the sort of the way that the state imposes its sort of power in lots of ways, this relationship that authority figures have with women. And um, it's very shocking stuff. Um, And then there's there's some quite upsetting uh, multimedia that's been released with it, like video interviews and things like that as well. And it also must be pointed out there's kind of a growing controversy about whether or not um, Human Rights Watch... They essentially say that we reached out to the Blue House a number of times to have a conversation about this issue... Um, with the South Korean government, and the South Korean government is saying, we didn't hear anything from you about this. And Human Rights Watch is saying, essentially, well, we have, as they say, we have receipts. Mm. Um, We sent you a bunch of messages, and we never heard back from you. So again, it's kind of what we're talking about in relation to this defective thing as well. It's the South Korean government looks like they're avoiding the human rights issue again.
1: It could just be a lot of... Officials in South Korea seem to think it's acceptable to not reply to emails and ignore them. That is yeah, also I've had that from the, uh, the foreign yeah. ministry
0: trying to get uh, Minister Gung to come onto this podcast. And if you haven't received any response from them, <laughs> from them either, um, Minister Gung, if you're listening to this podcast, we'd love to have you on. Do give me a call. have uh, D- 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 any thoughts from you about the Human Rights Watch report on uh, sexual violence and abuse in North Korea?
3: I believe South Korea also underwent the same problems. Back in 1970s, yeah. So I think it's not about North Korea. All the developing countries went through the same procedures. North Korea has a more huge problem considering the like structure of the countries. But the thing is, there is no way that we can help them or we can improve the awareness of gender equality because it's too close. So I don't see yeah, any possibility that we can actually help North Korea Yeah, to get out of the way,
2: yeah. I think this avoiding the human rights issue is getting a bit silly, to be honest. I mean, you know, it made sense, I think, in the first couple of months of this process, but I think now South Korea, and especially the US, because the US has a much greater influence on this issue, really needs to just, next time that talks happen with the North Koreans, perhaps at the next Kim-Trump summit, they really need to... um, present it, it to the North Koreans, bring it up at least um, and, and get the North Koreans to make some kind of concessions. If anything, I think the North Koreans would be more open to hearing about it from the Southerners, the South Koreans rather than the Americans.
3: I don't really understand. We have six South Korean detained in North Korea for several years and we have like ton- like dozens of inter-Korean talks since January and I don't get it why we didn't raise the voice and this The U.S., the first thing U.S. did is that they just brought all the three U.S. citizens to the country, Mm. but I don't believe we haven't taken practical measures to this end, so we have to raise voice and we have to ask our people first. That's the important issue, and that's what the country exists.
1: One human rights issue that I think everybody can agree on, even the North Koreans, is that the freedom of movement is highly curtailed there and even when we were in Pyongyang the other day to to suggest we go to Wonsan hearing these preposterous answers like oh that will take months to of pre-planning i mean this is this is just so ridiculous from every angle i don't see any justification even if you're the most screaming heart liberal that even if you're in the korea friendship association guess what you can travel in and out of north korea but this, this thing really makes my blood boil. It's just such a basic thing to be able to do, like leave, go, like go to a different province, go to the city. I mean, I think the avenue for raising
2: this type of thing, at least maybe on the inter-Korean side, could be continuing these talks about family reunions. You know, we had agreements in September about um, right. regularizing these things. They're going to renovate the facility in Kunga. I mean, that is, that is just like a little inn that you could have to sort of, bring up human rights and and this freedom of movement issue. And if you can kind of get the North Koreans, because the North Koreans can't possibly disagree with family reunions. I mean, obviously they have in the past um, on other grounds. But if South Korea can say, look, let's try and get as many of these as possible, you kind of maybe break through that gap a tiny bit. And
1: then, I mean, that's just the only path I can see where there's possibility for movement. And what if if Kim Jong-un does do a speech at the National Assembly, will he... Will there be QA? Q&A? Trump did one and he didn't do a Q&A. Yeah, he didn't take questions.
2: Oh.
1: Uh, okay, so... Would th- oh, it the, have been a what, good opportunity to ask about some of these issues? What things will President you... President Trump,
2: want- if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the podcast. What things will you be watching over the next week or two? Well, I said this. Um, Pompeo is going to meet with his counterpart in the US next week after the midterms. So we'll. I guess the midterms are also a big story. So we'll see, I guess, who the North Koreans choose to send... We'll see how it all goes. Um, as far as I understand, there isn't going to be a White House meeting this time like there was last time. But that's, yeah, I suppose that's what I'm keeping on. Okay, Tagian, what are you watching the next week or two?
3: power will really want Kim Jong-un to make his trip to Seoul in the near future. Mm-hmm. So I believe Kim Jong-un may visit Seoul next month.
1: If it happens before we all go on holiday. <laughs> and Chad, what are you watching? Uh, keeping an eye out for details on the, the Putin meeting. Mm. Um, and of course, is still pending Xi Jinping's visit to uh, Pyongyang, which we've not really heard anything. And as these Chinese ones, are, they just come out of the blue. You have no real warning about them. Right. Maybe a day or two. But,
0: yeah. all right well that's it for this particular roundtable wrap-up listeners don't forget to check out our nkshop.org for north korea related holiday gift ideas and you can get 10% off your entire purchase by using the code nkpodcast10 that's nkpodcast10 all one word at the checkout thank you for listening and listen again next time